Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. God's will for you and for Cornerstone. That's the series. And the message is titled, How, really, the essence is how do we share Jesus, really? Christ in a changing culture. How do we do that? Uh, one of the, well, the leader of Impact Churches, which used to be Grace Churches International, GCI, which before that used to be Grace Presbyterian, uh, Impact Churches, uh, the, the leader of it, Michael Fletcher, he was teaching in a, in a, uh, at a conference, and he asked us to, to join the conference because it was an online conference, and, and, and the conference was on culture changes and how to minister in a changing culture. And so it's very enlightening. We have a, had about 200 uh, messages, so uh, it's very exciting. So I wanted to share a little bit about that because we've been teaching, started last week, on what God's will is for you and for Cornerstone. We said last week that in 1 Timothy 2.4 that God's desire is for all people to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. Is that correct? That's his will. For all to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. Let's go to 2 Peter. Let's go there. And we want to go to the third chapter in the eighth verse. And just review a little bit from another place the same thing. Verse 8, verse 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, chapter 3, verse 8. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years. Can you believe that? That with God one day is like a thousand years. That's awesome. And a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise. As some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So, in this changing culture, how many people do God want? How, how many people do you think he wants to come to repentance? All. All. Doesn't matter who it is. All. This is hard. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? And that's what God is, is, is telling the church here. 
he's saying to Peter that if you love the world, it's not going to be here. You're loving something that's going to be destroyed. He said he doesn't want us to love the world. If we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. And all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So we don't want in the parts of the world, even though we are in the world, we're not of the world. And so we know that these things are going to be destroyed in this way. So he says in verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. Verse 13, but according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Now that's the good news, isn't it? That's the good news. Therefore, beloved, verse 14, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless, and blameless. That's what God's, God's will is for us and for Cornerstone. But, and, and I know for the church of the living God all over the world, this is his will because this is his word. And if we know that this scripture is true, which we do, we know that regardless of who it is, we want to have a heart like God in that we don't want anyone to perish. We don't want anyone to die without Jesus Christ. We don't want anyone to burn eternally in hell. We don't want anybody to do that. I don't care how um, wicked they are, we want them to come to repentance. We want them to turn. That's what repentance means, to turn. That's, that has to be the heart of each one of us. It has to be. Because that's the heart of God. Now let's go just a little bit further here. What does that mean for us as we go out into our workplaces, as we, we're out into the marketplace, as we're uh, out into the world system, what does that mean for us? Because we are, are encountering a culture that is against God. We're encountering a, a culture that's against the Bible. We're count, encountering a culture that's against Christians. I don't know, but you think about it that you really don't know just because someone say they are Christians, you don't really don't know where they are really or not. You really don't know because so many people say they are Christians. And we need to have the mind of Christ. Let's see what the mind of Christ is. Let's go to um, Luke Let's go there, chapter 5. Let's go to verse 27. Let's see a little bit more than the heart of God on, on, on this topic. Verse 
Verse 27, after that he went out and noticed a tax collector. Now, who were the tax collectors? The tax collectors in, in Jesus' time, they were Jews who they collected tax from the Jews. And they were, they were considered the, 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 the low of the low. They were hated by the Jews. And so he encountered, he, he noticed, it says, and noticed a tax collector named Levi, Matthew, sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. Two words. Follow me. And he left everything behind and got up and began to follow him. And, and, and the tax collectors, they, were, they, were, they had money. They, had, they, were, they were kind of uh, well-to-do. Because they were stealing. They were overcharging uh, the people, extorting money. So they, they'll still give, give to the Romans, but they'll still keep money for themselves. And you know that by the scripture, um, whether it be Zacchaeus, whether it be whoever it is, the tax collectors, they were naughty, naughty, naughty people. And so they were. <laughs> and just think about it now. We are going out into a culture that is against God, against God's word, against God's people. And Jesus gave you two words. Follow me. That's all he said. Follow me. And I, I wonder, can we do that? Can we go out in our workplaces, in the marketplace, can we say to someone, follow me? Now, of course, now, Jesus is God. And you say, well, we're not God, so we can't say that because he said that. Let's go a little further. And Levi gave a big reception for him in his house. And there, were, there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with them. The Pharisees, so they were there too, and their scribes began grumbling at his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? So you, you got two people here. We, got, we, we have... We have the tax collectors is there. We have the Pharisees is there. But it says also, and sinners. So we have people who were considered just sinners. There's, there's, there's even, like you might consider prostitutes or whoever these sinners were, they were sinners. And it says, and Jesus answered and said to them, it is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, I know you know from being a person of the word, we know that every last one of them 
were sinners. None of them were righteous. We know that. The Pharisees thought they were righteous, but they were sinners too. I want to go to another place. Let's go to Matthew chapter, chapter 9, verse 14. Let's go there and put a, a little bit more on this. Um, uh, Matthew chapter 9. Let's go to verse 10. Let's start at verse 10. It says, Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table, now we're talking about the same incidents now. We're talking about the same incidents. We, we just want to add a little to this thing. He was reclining at the table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples when the Pharisees saw that they, when they saw this, they said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician but those who are sick. But go and learn, and this is what I wanted to bring out in this particular Matthew's version, but go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now I wanted to add this to that, God's desire is for compassion and not sacrifice. In other words, they, they, the Jews, they knew about sacrificial systems. They knew about all those type of things. And, and you think you're doing well. Uh, you remember the Pharisees, they were tithing of mint and cumin of all the different, different spices. But they were leaving, leaving the weightier, weightier matters undone. Jesus desires compassion, not sacrifice. You remember he told that to King Saul. You remember Saul wanted to, he told Saul to, to destroy everything and Saul brought back uh, the, 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 the best of the animals and things like that and he said, I'm going to, I want to do this to, to uh, give a sacrifice to the Lord. And Samuel said, no, to obey is better than sacrifice. You remember that? God is saying here, he desires compassion and not sacrifice. Compassion. As we go out into this changing culture, Jesus hasn't changed. See, because there were sinners in that room. There, there, there were tax collectors in that room. There was the worst of the worst in that room. There were sinners in that room. And he says that I desire compassion. Do we desire compassion? That's the question. As the church of the living God, do we desire compassion like Jesus? Because you remember, his will is for all to be saved and come into the knowledge of truth. His will is that none perish, that all come to repentance. He desires compassion. Do we have the same compassion for people? That's the thing. Do we have compassion for sinners? Do we have compassion for those who have lost their way? Do we have compassion? Because I believe that 
as the culture is changing, I believe it's going to take the compassion of God to reach people. I really believe that. I really believe that. Let's go to one other place here. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it says something very important here. You remember, we're still talking about we are going out. We're talking about what Jesus said to Matthew. Jesus gave Matthew two words, and Matthew left everything and followed Jesus. And I said, can can we do the same thing? Can we give people two words? Can we say, follow me? He was God. Therefore, this is verse 1 of chapter 5, therefore, be imitators, or the King James said, be followers. And if you want to break it down into the Greek, mimetes, it means, what is that word in English? If someone's going to imitate somebody, the Greek word is similar. Mimetes. Mimic. That's right, mimic. What do little children do if they mimic their parents? What do they do? They do the same thing, right? The same thing. Little girls, they're, they're dressed up. They have their mom with high heels on. They, they, they have lipstick on. They, they want to be just like their parents, right? It says here, he, the, that's what Ephesians, that's Paul talking to, he says that, talking to the church, he says that, I want you to be imitators, I want you to mimic, in other words, God, as beloved children. That's what it says. As beloved children. As they do, as a, as a little child does, mimic their, their parents, I want you to mimic Jesus Christ. I want you to mimic God. That's what I want you to do. It if we go out and we're going to have any influence on anybody in this culture, we're going to have to mimic Christ. That's what we're going to have to do. And it says mimic God, but of course you know that Jesus Christ is God, don't, don't you? You know, we, we believe in the Trinity here. Right? Okay, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So all three are one. One God, three persons. I believe that, that just as Paul was telling the church at Ephesus, we'll, he's saying to us, mimic Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has compassion on the worst of the worst. He could have not wanted the worst of the worst to be a disciple with him because that's what, it, that, that's what Matthew was. He was a tax collector. Why would Jesus want a tax collector following him? He desires compassion and not sacrifice. He desires compassion. Why did he Go to Zacchaeus' house, if you remember the story. Why did he go to Zacchaeus' house? Because Zacchaeus was short. He heard about Jesus, of course. 
He climbed the tree to get a look at him. And Jesus said, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. I need to dine at your house today. And Zacchaeus said, I'll give back half of, I give back all of it. So, I mean, I give back half, I give all my, all, half my, my goods. I, I give, oh, he said, today, salvation, you know, has come to your house. In other words, Jesus had compassion. He could have said, boy, you little short thing up in that tree. I hope you fall and break your neck because you're stealing from the Jews. He could have said those things. Don't we do that sometimes to people in our society? We look down on them and we think they are worse than the worst, so therefore, be good if they would just die. You know? Save, you know, especially they're in prison, they save the taxpayers some money. Just execute them. Jesus says he, he desires for all to come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. He desires for all to repent. No one to perish. That's what he desires. Do we have that compassion? Because we are talking about a society now that things are going on that people don't like to talk about because now the, the largest minority in the United States are Hispanics, Mexicans maybe. You know, especially you go down to Florida, uh, you know, some of the places where it's, it's near the border, and people are coming across the border, coming into the United States, taking our tax dollars, I mean, I've, I've heard people talking about it. Talk, taking it. They, they, they expect us to, with our tax dollars, to send them to school. They're not paying any taxes. Send them back home. Right? I mean, that's what we said, right? We, uh, do we want to minister to them? Minister. Send them back. They don't need to be here. They're, taking, they're just taking our money. Come on now. Is that, is that going on in society today? Do you think that God may want them saved? Do you think he might want to use you? Because we have Hispanics in this city illegal. Guaranteed. We do. Guaranteed. Don't have any driver's license, and so most of them have to start businesses of their own, and some people who have businesses will hire them because uh, they they'll work cheap because they know they're not citizens. We use them, abuse them, and say, you know, send them back home. I wonder how does God thinks of them as aliens because they are aliens, aren't they? They're from a, you know, a different place. They're from Mexico, wherever they're from. Was it, were the Jews aliens one, at one time? Is, is that in your Bible? He loves the aliens. Do you know that? He don't want you to, to mistreat the aliens. 
because he said, you were aliens one time. Speaking of the Jews, they, they were aliens one time. They were, they were in Egypt. Then they were sojourning all over. They were sojourning all over the place. Didn't have a home. Now, I'm not, uh, you know, those, those of you who know me, you know I'm not a political person from the pulpit. You know that. The only thing I'll say from the pulpit during the presidential election is that you need to vote <laughs> because it's our right to vote. And, and since we have an uh, opportunity to vote, we need to vote according to God's word. That's all I say. I have never said anything about any political party or anything else because that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to teach the word of God. Now, that's for me. Somebody else, God may be given the responsibility to do something else. So I'm not saying anything against anybody else. I'm saying for as Willie Taylor's concerned or Cornerstone is concerned, I'm not, I don't, this is not a political platform. This is a word of God platform. And so that's what we, we teach the word of God. But the church is in a society that is changing, a culture that's changing. How are we going to relate to people? If you go to Walmart, you, you, you'll see different people. Yeah. And that's not the only thing, because the, the, the conference also was dealing, they were dealing with things that have been happening in other parts of the United States because we have uh, in, in one place a mayor, one of the mayors, a mayor was telling that, that, uh, these group of pastors that they could not teach uh, about anything that dealing with homosexuality unless they pass their message by her. And she approved it. But that's since now uh, she's withdrawn. But this is going on. It says uh, it'll be a time where, where uh, they don't want, it'll be a hate crime to say what the word of God says. We're living in a culture that's changing. What's going to be our stand as you, because you are the church. These four walls are not the church. You are the church. So as the church goes out in the, in the workplace, in the community, what does God expect of his church? Compassion. Compassion. That's what he, he does. For the purpose of bringing people to repentance. And you can't do it unless you, let's go to First, uh, first Corinthians uh, chapter 4. Let's go there. You can't do it unless you have these scriptures as in your heart that you know that you know that you know that God expects us to be compassionate towards sinners. You, you, you're going to misrepresent Jesus Christ because he's the head of the church. And so whatever the head says, that's what we're supposed to do. So the head of the church, Jesus Christ, says, I want you to be compassionate. This world system is going to burn up. It's going to burn up. The heavens and the earth are going to burn up. But we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth. And Jesus said, I want to take everybody with me that will go. 
I want all to come into the knowledge of the truth to be saved. I want none to perish, but everybody to repent. So I want you to go out and be compassionate, church. I want you to represent me and not substitute what you think. In other words, that's what he's saying. And Paul says this way, be imitators. Be mim- I want you to mimic God as dear children. He said, okay, that's my first thing. I need to make sure in my prayer closet, in my four walls, I need to be uh, before God, asking God, God, help me to be imitators of you. So if I'm going to imitate somebody, obviously the little child has to see their parents to imitate their parents. You can't imitate somebody that you don't, you've never seen. You can't imitate somebody that you really don't know. Is that correct? You, got, you have to know them in order to imitate them. So I need to be in my prayer closet. So God, I need to know you more. Because I want to mimic you, Lord. I want to be just like you. What you say, I want to say. What you don't say, I don't want to say. I want to imitate you. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14, it was saying, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish, admonish you as beloved children. For if you were to have countless of tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became a father through the gospel. He became, he said, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, verse 16 says, I exhort you, be imitators of, did it say God? No, it didn't say God this time. What did it say? Me. So who's this talking? This is Paul. This is Apostle Paul. He says, I want you to, now, let's take it from I want you to be imitators of God because that's what you're doing in your prayer closet. That's what Paul has been doing. Paul said, I want to know your fellowship. I don't want to know the fellowship of your sufferings. Didn't he say that? So Paul, he, he wanted to get to know Jesus Christ. And he says that now that I'm, I, I, I've gotten that, now I want to tell you to do this. I want you to be imitators of me. And that's what I believe that God wants for us is that God wants us to, to imitate Jesus Christ, number one, and then go out and tell people to imitate you. Because if you, if you tell somebody, I want you to imitate Christ. Christ? Jesus Christ? I don't know Christ. I heard about him. My grandmama told me about him. You know, she used to take me to Sunday school. They don't know Christ. So how are they going to imitate somebody they don't know? But they know you because you're in their workplace. You're in the cubicle next to them. You're in the office down the street from them or down the, down the, down the hall from them. You, you know, you, you're, you're, they see you all the time in the supermarket. They see you. They serve you. When you come to the restaurants, they serve you because most of us go to the same restaurant a lot of times. Uh, you know, the, the, the ways they, they see you. So 
You had to tell them, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. Wow. That's what God's saying. That's what he's saying to me. Here, follow. Follow. And I said, ooh, this is pretty good. This is pretty good, Lord. Let's go to another place here. Well, let, 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 me, let me read verse 17 to you in this one. It says, For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Do you think Timothy was imitating Paul? He says that I'm going to send you Timothy, and Timothy is going to remind you of my ways. How does Timothy know his ways? Because he's with him. He's with him. How do you, don't you, don't you read the scripture where it says that God wants us to know his ways? Yeah. He wants us to know his ways. So that when we go out, we can say, I want you to follow me because you're going to lead them in the ways of God. That's what you're going to do. I don't care if you're a, a, a student in high school and in, in junior high school, in elementary school, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a principal, whether you uh, have any job. I've got so many jobs out here and people in this congregation have their own businesses also, you come across people and you want to be able to tell somebody, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. Ooh, that's, 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 I, I like that. I really like that. Let's go to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Let's go there. We're going to skip around a little bit. Just to get to verse 1 of chapter 11. It starts off in verse 23. It says, All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. Now, I wanted to read those two verses because who's talking again now? Apostle Paul, okay. And he's saying here, that even though all things are lawful, not all things are profitable, and not all things edify, he says that I don't want anyone in Corinth, I don't want anyone to seek his own good. In other words, in this changing culture that we are in, I don't want anybody seeking his own good, but the good of his neighbor. That's what I want you to do. And, of course, he's talking about eating uh, because of back then if an if a, if a unbeliever asked you to come, hey, come come down to my house. You know, like say, for, for instance, someone in your workplace, stuff, hey, I, I want you to invite you to dinner. And so back then he's saying that, well, if they, uh, whatever they said before you eat it, no, don't worry about a thing. Even though back then they, they were uh, 
had these temples and they they sacrificed animals. They had meat that had been sacrificed to these small G's, gods, and things like that. They said, don't worry about that thing. You know, just eat it. Now, if they say something to you and say, hey, this has been sacrificed to an idol, then now, for that person's conscience sake, don't eat it. Not for your conscience sake, but for their con- uh, conscience sake, because really, basically, he knows there's no such thing as, as, a, as, a, as an idol. There's no such thing as, as these small G's. There's only one God. But see, they don't understand that, so really, that, you know, that, that's, that's the way we are. You see, if we bring it home t- to you, what could I use as an example that people invite you to uh, and you might not want to partake of it? Let's use alcohol, for instance. Um, let's just use that. Uh, if, if somebody in your workplace invites you to, the, to, the, to your home and they say, hey, uh, uh, would you want to drink? I, here, here's a shot. You got, you know, 100 proof uh, vodka or whatever, and, uh, you know, hey, we, we, we drink, drink here. See, you can then say, well, no, I, I don't do that. Do you know that there are people who have problems with alcohol in this nation? Do you know there's prob- probably people in Lynchburg who have problems with alcohol? Do you believe there's a people in your workplace might have a problem with alcohol? And if they know you're a Christian, do you know there's a possibility that if you partake of it without any problems, do you know they might think that it's okay for them? Because you're a Christian. Now, you don't have a problem. I mean, you know, you take a little wine for your conscience sake. I mean, you know, uh, for your appetite. I mean, whatever. Uh, like he told Timothy, hey, you take a little wine for your stomach's sake because, you know, you've been ill a lot of times. Uh, but we know they live in a different society. We know that the water is not like this water. But we can have distilled water. We can go to Kroger buy distilled water. We can we can uh, have this own distill ourselves. We can we can have all this. We can we we don't have that type of problem. We over in Germany, uh, they drink beer just like they drink water. It doesn't matter. I mean, this is just a normal uh, thing of alcohol. So uh, we know biblically, biblically, we can drink wine. Is that correct? Is that, is that right? It, I mean, it's biblical. It is biblical. Okay. He would, uh, Peter wouldn't dare tell. I mean, who would tell? Who would tell Timothy to take a little wine for his, for for his stomach's sake if if wine was uh, not legal to be taken? So we know it's it's, okay, it's legal. Okay. It's just illegal to get drunk, isn't it? It's illegal to get drunk. But. With people having problems in that area, you know, people say, well, well, do you drink? I said, no. Why don't you drink? Because I want to be an example, number one, to my wife, number two, to my children, uh, number three, to the people that I'm around. Uh, I, w- I don't want to be a stumbling block for them. I know people have problems with it. Um, and number two, I want to always have my uh, my mind. I don't want my mind Dull because of teaching health to find out that alcohol is not a stimulant. It's not a stimulant. It's a depressant. I don't want my mind dull. I don't want my inhibitions dull so that I do stupid stuff. And if I do that, 
then my children are going to do that. And I got three girls. I don't want some dude trying to get my daughters high. You know men do that, don't you? And I don't want to do, be doing something stupid. One accident, if you're on the floor of alcohol, can ruin your life. Just, just be uninfluenced by alcohol, hit somebody, kill them, and, 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 and find out what's going to happen to you. So, I never wanted to do that. So I never did. Even though I know that it's permissible for me to take a little wine from my stomach. Take a, and, 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 and people do that in Christianity. Uh, anybody come to my house and say, well, is it okay if I bring a little wine? If you want to, that's, that's on you. Not, uh, I don't drink. And, and I don't. Nobody tries to influence me to drink. Nobody. Since I left college. In college they did because I was in the fraternity. But since I left college, nobody tried to do that. So I'm, I'm just letting you know that in our society, in our culture, you're going to have to make a stand for something. You're going to have to decide what is God calling you to do in order to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Because we do have people, I said, that have problems with alcohol. So if you say, follow me as I follow Christ, then, you know, you might want to think about this other scripture that says, let no one seek his own good but that of his neighbor. Know who you're talking to, in other words. Then it says here, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's in verse 31. What I really wanted was verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 11. Listen to this. Because this, this, this sums up why you're going to tell somebody to follow me. Follow me, be you followers of me, or be imitators, mimic me, just as I am of Christ. That's going to be our scripture that we're going to go out into this changing culture, we're going to say, I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. Because nobody wants to follow us, and, and, we, and we are not perfect. None of us are perfect. Would you agree with that? So why would somebody want to follow us if we're not perfect? But we can say, follow me as I follow Christ, because I am, I am going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. I'm following Christ. I'm imitating Christ. I'm trying to do everything I can to walk in his ways, to, to talk like he talked, to, to uh, not talk like he doesn't talk. If he doesn't say anything, I don't want to say anything. I, I want to be, have compassion just like Christ. I want to follow him. Would you follow me as I follow Christ? Now, that, 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 will, that will go in your workplace because they know you're not perfect. In our changing society, we need to do that. We need to do that. God is calling for you to reach out. That's what I started the series with last week. God is, is calling you to reach out to people. He can only, well, he can do it without us. He desires to use each one of us as vessels to reach out to those 
who he puts you in proximity to. He wants you to reach out. He doesn't want a church body that never reach out to anybody. All we're concerned with is coming together on a Sunday morning and we're interested in just, hey, minister to me. Feed me. It's all about me. He's not interested in that. Christ is interested in you coming to glorify him, to get built up, to go back out to the workplaces and minister to others. Each one of you, you are called as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each one of you. You are called. When you became a Christian, he has called you to the ministry of reconciliation. That's scripture. Yes. So you have a ministry that ministers reconciliation. Reconciling the world to God. Because he's died for the world. So he's saying, would you do that? And if we go places and we say nothing, we're not workplace, we, 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 we're not, you're, 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 you're supposed to have an aroma about you. You're supposed to have a spirit about you. You're supposed to have something enticing about you that the atmosphere is different around your cubicle, is different in your workplace because you are there. And they're supposed to know that something is different about you. And it's the spirit of God that's in you. You're supposed to have things going well for you and things not going well for you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.